Q&A Quest episode 243. I'm your host, now owned by Microsoft, Mike Apps, and with me as always. Uh, currently uh, requesting FTC intervention on that. For anything, and Kaijin will hopefully be along shortly. Indeed, indeed. Uh, so I guess we should just talk about that. Since it's yeah, that's kind of the big elephant in the room. Yeah. And I don't think Gaijin's gonna have much to say about it. No. Um. I said this to you, and it, it's still like the first thought that came to my mind, which is that's that's one way to fix the Activision Blizzard issues, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they need a complete management decapitation yeah. at this stage. And at this point, uh, it's, it's clear that wasn't going to happen uh, f from within. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hanging out for dear life at all times. Yeah. But it's one of those things where it's like, I'm, I'm glad that they are getting that complete management destruction uh, sometime over the next year, presuming this deal goes through. But at the same time, this is a terrifying thing to yeah. see happen at any level. Like, people maybe don't fully get it because of how grotesquely mismanaged Activision is, but that's a gigantic cat. Yeah. Like, absolutely massive. Activision is literally the first third-party game to them. Like... That is the company that set, initially set legal precedent that third-party development was legal. Yeah. Like, there were, that, that's, that's hilarious to think about now, but like back in the late 70s, there was literally a lawsuit from Atari about uh, Activision making Atari games. And the argument being, well, they can't do that. That's our system. No one else makes games but us for our system. <laughs> Not so much, as it turns out. But yeah, like over decades, that company has accumulated like a wild number of IP, some of which are incredibly important to preservation history. That is a there is so much being purchased in that buyout, aside from also Microsoft attempting to shore up its uh, mobile game division and online infrastructure shit. All of that is wild. Yeah. Like, I didn't even realize they own, or at least I forgot they owned. What, what the hell's the name of that mobile company? King. Is that yeah, it? King. Candy yeah. Crush still break, breaks in a lot. Uh, but I mean, like, it, it's very funny to think that now they own like a really bizarre set of old games because it's like, oh, Zork. Leisure you ready for Larry. the Zork revival? No, I'm. I'm, I'm uh, yes, they Zork. do own. <laughs> They do, they do, in fact, own Legion of Larry King's Quest, uh, Pitfall, River Raid, like, any of those, like, ancient Activision games they technically own, all the Tony Hawk games, Call of Duty, oh, gosh, just Crash Guitar Bandicoot. Hero, like, cra yep, Crash Bandicoot, Spyro the Dragon, oh, man. The, the most actually, like, unironically amusing thing to come out of this has been, like, this weird set of uh, console warriors. Yeah, Warcraft, anything in the Blizzard thing. Uh, I'm just leaving out because those are still technically relevant IPs. But uh, the whole, uh, like, the, the funniest thing to actually come out of this has been 
a strange breed of human who grew up playing PlayStation games and is very upset at the idea that they're, one, too optimistic and thinks that there's another Crash Bandicoot in the works, and two, <laughs> terrified that it might come out for something that is not a PlayStation. Oh God, I mean, the chances of a new Crash Bandicoot are higher after this than they were currently, but yeah, I doubt there's Higher, but still works. not high. Yeah. Microsoft has never been huge on the platformers. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've had Banjo-Kazooie um, sitting around for a long time. Rotting in hell for decades. Yes. Although um, they, they did just spend a lot of money to put out... Um, Psychonauts. It's true. It's true. So, Although technically they they bought that halfway through its production. But true, true. But yeah, that's yeah, one of those things. Then, like, oh, and, and I should just point out that then again, you know, Crash just had. Uh, I'm just going to respond to this from Tim. Crash just had a new game, but also uh, essentially everyone who worked on that game left the company or got fired. So yeah, uh, I'm just going to say, and then the company got poured into some other project that's like backup Call of Duty bullshit. You're saying? Uh, I was just going to say that, like, yeah, on the other hand, while yes, Microsoft has been sitting on Banjo-Kazooie for a long time, a lot of that time was under previous Xbox leadership that did not do such a great job. <laughs> so, um, uh, there's always a chance for that. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things I don't have the most it's like i don't have the most high like i it's a lot it's a lot happening here uh but yeah i just i i don't know how to fully understand what i'm about to what yeah. i'm dealing with here basically like it's it's the enormity of this buyout is uh difficult to uh overstate in terms of like 70 billion dollars is changing hands over yes this. like that's that is an enormous buyout by any standards uh even even though i don't like this kind of merging i do have to say we are not in the worst of all possible worlds because this was not codic's first choice of buyout oh god that's right uh, Apparently, the word is that he shopped the he tried to shop for two uh, at least two other companies to attempt to buy out Activision, in a desperate attempt to get people to stop talking about how he tried to get a <laughs> tried to uh, well allegedly uh, you know threatened to kill a woman over the phone. Jesus. For that time that he allegedly was definitely super aware of a lot of sexual harassment and rape allegations of Blizzard. Um, in any case, uh, in, in his desperate attempts to get people to talk about anything else, he did seek out two other buyouts uh, before Microsoft, uh, before going back to Microsoft to admit an initial offer. Just to say, he tried to get Facebook to buy. Ugh. Vomit. And I think that would probably be the worst of all possible worlds. Uh... That feels like the most... The most hellish of all places. I think feel like there's a lot of positive spin on the Microsoft ac acquisition. I feel like that would be the just because opposite. Blizzard is so bad. Yeah, <laughs> but Facebook buying them would have been just a double heap of extra. 
Uh, like it would have just been bus. three all the way down. Right. Like in yeah. a, in a, uh, a lot of like the the happiness I've seen from this is from like actual developers working at Blizzard, including one I saw. Apparently, there's some developer that like went from Microsoft to Blizzard, and it was like a, a really tough decision. <laughs> Bought back out. Yeah. Well, and but they said it was like, oh, this was a really tough decision, and now that they're buying them, their exact quote was like, oh, now my heart is whole. I was like, okay, all right. Well, good on you. I'm yeah. sure you got a ton of money off the stock suddenly rebounding after that. Yeah. But you can you can tell how enormous of a deal it was because this announcement tanked Sony's stock. Yeah. Which I honestly I think is kind of silly because and, and, it's silly, but it's at the same time it's people thinking this will hurt them in the long term, which it probably will. Yeah. But I there's mean, an at least decent chance that Call of Duty ends up becoming exclusive sometime in the next few yeah. years. Maybe, maybe not. You know. It it depends. So, I mean, for for some things like obviously Minecraft never went exclusive, so I don't know if they'll do Minecraft is for children. Like that's for... not a value judgment, but it, the point is, Minecraft exists to make people have fond thoughts about Microsoft. Sure. And the best time to do that is when they are children. Sure. But you'll note that something like Starbound is an exclusive. Right. Which makes sense to me. Like, uh, yeah. the Bethesda stuff going exclusive is not was not really a surprise to me. I expect Call of Duty to eventually go the same way. Yeah, probably. Maybe not this Call of Duty because it's so far along in production at this point, but yeah. I don't think we're going to see many more PlayStation Call of Duties. Which was always like kind of like a sore spot between the two companies, like to to just bring this back up. Uh, like obviously during the 360 era, Call of Duty was synonymous with Microsoft. Yeah. Oh, one, like, se one second. I just want to respond to Budai who says, "But I, went, I was going to play Diablo 4 on PS5. It's probably still going to come <laughs> to PS5 because that's already they're already developing it for that." I don't know. Unless but, there's a deal linked, I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't. Well, maybe. Because, like, the reason that something like Ghostwire Tokyo or Deathloop happens is very clearly there was a deal inked for exclusivity on that. Yeah. I, I don't think that any such deal existed yet for Diablo 4, a game which, honestly, realistically, I don't know that there's any reason to assume comes out in 2023. Oh, probably not. Especially, so, especially with all the the garbage that's been going on at Blizzard, if that that development has apparently restarted like three times, yeah, uh, that game apparently at one point was a Dark Souls knockoff. Like that would have been. I, I can't imagine that anyone like it, it's also not really Activision's style to eat exclusive deals to begin with. Yeah, which is the other reason that this is such a wild thing, Activision was a company that was largely platform agnostic. The most that you got, and this is what I was going to bring up, was the 360 versions of Call of Duty would typically get DLC slightly before the PS3 versions, as like a tip of the cap, uh, like Microsoft paid for that deal. That was the kind of exclusivity they could get on Call of Duty. That was the most exclusivity you were going to get on Call of Duty. 
especially at the height of its powers. Um, whereas when the X-Bone tanked, though that deal essentially went completely intact over to Sony. This was like seemingly a store point between the two companies. I, I get the sense that there was like actual animosity over this. Jeez. But yeah. Uh, and so now at the very least, that deal is suddenly going to only be on like certainly for the foreseeable future, that deal is likely to only be on Microsoft Platform. But yeah. Uh it, it's one of those things. Like they're they're getting aggressive because uh, it, it, I expect them to get aggressive because Microsoft wants people in its ecosystem. It can't get people in its ecosystem on PlayStation. It just can't. Yeah. Like Minecraft, sure you can you can put that on a PlayStation that like requires a Microsoft account. That's the way that I have no idea how Minecraft is monetized. But uh, it, you know, I can tell you all about that. Go ahead. It, go ahead. Ha it has a whole store where like people can put their yeah. creations up there, and there's like stuff specifically developed by Mojang, like licensed stuff. Like there's lots of Disney mm -hmm. packs and Marvel pack, not Marvel packs. Star Wars packs and stuff like that. Uh, it's got a pretty extensive store, so that's probably where it makes most of its money at this point. Mm. Yeah, it's it's one of those things like it, it, you can't really pull people into the uh, broader Microsoft ecosystem from something like uh, Call of Duty on another platform. It doesn't really help them. So. Yeah. Whereas, like, if as you say, since Minecraft is built around like essentially its entire own ecosystem, putting that ecosystem elsewhere is only beneficial. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I was going to say, Tam is saying, I think the real thing is because all the lawsuits go poof if the enterprise or the lawsuits finish going through the courts. I have no idea how that works. So maybe, but. Uh. Can't imagine it speaks poorly case. of how those lawsuits work if they go poof the second yeah. someone else buys it. I hope that's not how this any of this works. <laughs> it shouldn't be how it works. I can't prove that it isn't how it yeah. works. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it speaks poorly of this all. I'll oh, explain when I get home. Yeah, we can we can deal with this. This this conversation is going to keep coming up anyway. Yeah. I was going to say the other uh, the other thing I read about was apparently one of the other ideas Bobby had was to buy something buy like an outlet buy like Kotaku or something. Presumably, to yeah, Kotaku was one of the ones he apparently things. specifically floated. Allegedly, Jeez. Activision of course claims this was never actually planned. But I don't trust them as far as I could throw them. Yeah. But allegedly, uh, the plan was to buy. I think the ones that were brought up specifically was Kotaku, uh, and one other. It was like PC Gamer or something. Yeah, I some think some it was other. PC Gamer. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like. Just, just to make them stop reporting bad news about Activision. Yeah. I Wait. would suspect Kotaku was the one that he would have been most after because they, you know, they would report every beat of this as a new story. It filled up the page. Yeah. And so, like, I'm sure that uh, Bobby Kotick, a man who has been known in the past to complain 
that when you Google his name, uh, that it's very hard for him to date because when you Google his name, you see him dressed up as Sith Lord uh, <laughs> because people kept uh, reposting that Photoshop. <laughs> it's not slander if I say fuck you, Buffy, you got it. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so as someone like that, who is routinely, uh, seemingly quite image conscious, even though he is also a piece of trash. World's uh, biggest piece know. of shit? Okay, probably not the world's biggest, but he's up there. He's, he's certainly there. bigger than someone whose job is owns a media conglomerate, should be. Yeah. But yeah, like, just one of those people that's like, you know, it's, it does sound very in line with uh, the concerns that he seems to have. Uh, yeah, I got I, the, the thing I am most looking forward to is never seeing his fucking face again. Yes, please. Like, I, don't, I know that he's going to get like a horrible, gigantic payout for doing this. He was always going to, because yeah. as it turns out, that's the entire setup of Activision, is yeah. to basically... Uh, work people to death and then pour money into Bobby Kotick's pockets. So uh, that was never going to happen. There was no the way out of this is... with him getting any sort of major punishment. There's just no way. Yeah, out of the this. the only even like even in the theoretical sense of like Activision loses a big lawsuit, he he personally was not going to suffer. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, looks like you're getting pretty far along in this. But yeah. Something like 80 million payout just from stock. Yeah, it's gigantic. Uh, apparently, like, and this is part of the reason they haven't said, oh, we're absolutely firing him immediately, is that everything I've read is he gets a lot more money if his job is lost essentially directly as a consequence of a buyer. Jesus. Like, there's some wild nonsense in his contract that basically says if someone buys the company out and fires him on that basis, then he gets a huge payout. So them keeping close to their vests uh, about what they intend to do with the company, presuming that it's allowed to go through, which it probably will be because uh, antitrust is a fake idea at this What's stage. What's antitrust? Uh, <laughs> it hurts. Uh <laughs> I mean, the last time Microsoft was accused of antitrust, it was much worse than this, and they got nothing. So. It was. It was. This is much more... Like, the thing about this is that if you went after Microsoft for antitrust, you would have to... Like, it would be, like, number 10 on the list of things. Like, this... Like, it, at this point, I would be like, yes, you should, on the basis of stop them from doing it, and then go after something like Disney. Yeah. Which is doing practicing the same sort of heavy vertical integration that has allowed them to essentially reestablish the studio system. Yeah. But if you don't remember much about the studio system, go look that up. Big antitrust there. But yeah, vertical integrations, the 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 beloved everyone loves vertical integration where you control something from its very beginning stages of conception to how it is distributed at the end. Uh, let's talk about something happier. Uh, Microsoft should be Or do we have more? But that ain't going to happen. Yeah. Microsoft should be broken up. Disney should be broken up. 
There's even clean lines to break Disney up across, but they never bother with. Yeah. Like, they already treat Star Wars and Mar Marvel like they're separate properties. Just break those apart. Break out Fox again, too. That shouldn't be the same company, either. See the way they just buried a bunch of Fox releases the second they got hold of them? It's like, yeah. nope. Don't care. You got you you got your X-Men and your Fantastic Four, and now just dump them. Yeah. I ducked that shit. Uh, honestly. Hey, Gaijin. Hello. Hello. We were just talking about monopolies in the Activision Blizzard Microsoft buyout. But it counted as a monopoly since there are still other companies working in the same field and... It's, it's a... more antitrust that I was talking yeah. about, which I think this probably should run afoul of, but probably won't. Yeah, I mean, it's been decades since they have, since they stopped enforcing the cannot own more than 30% of the entire market rules. Yeah, I mean, at this it, point, it would be... Eyeglass. It, you'd be going after them for vertical integration, which would mean they would have to go after, like, a million companies. Yeah. I mean, did you ever read up anything on, like, eyeglasses? Yeah. yeah like, there is one company that actually controls, like, almost 80% of the total market. Oh, Jesus. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, yeah. There, there's not enough appetite, for the most part, to stop this kind of thing. And plus, a lot of the laws that would have been used to enforce it were defanged in the 80s. Yep. Which is why the companies stopped caring about them. So. It was really funny when they would do like a huge overblown merger and then like completely lose their search because they didn't realize how shitty what they had just bought was. Mm -hmm. Remember AOL Time Warner? <laughs> Good times. But I'm trying AOL... to remember how much money exactly that lost. But AOL is still such a valuable brand. Beloved. Says no one. Hey now, some of yeah. my sister's classmates managed to make a wonderful suit of plate armor out of old AOL demo CDs. <laughs> that makes sense, yeah. So they, went, they went to the local Walmart and just asked if they could have the uh, the entire display case of free AOL CDs, and they, the guys there said, sure. Then they had to take like 20 minutes to search through the shopping cart full of these demo CDs to make sure that nothing else was hidden in there. Because they had filled the entire cart with these things. Mm -hmm. And then they went and actually made a suit of plate armor. Very shiny. Just to, just, just to look at what kind of, like, how badly AOL Time Warner immediately ate shit. Um, in 2002, the combined company posted a loss of $98.7 billion. Jesus. Still the wor record worst annual loss in part Wow. Just incredible. At least forty-five billion of that was credited to writing, essentially writing off AOL. Write <laughs> uh, down. Okay, for taking a fourth quarter charge of forty-four, forty-five and a half billion, mostly to write down the value of its troubled America. Incredible, beautiful. I, I can only dream of essentially any corporation ever again losing money hand over fist in such a fashion. <laughs> um, but yeah. 
How's it going, Gajan? Well, uh, guess who had like four and a half hours free this morning and a two-hour movie that he hadn't seen yet? <gasps> you saw it? Mm. Yes, it I did. Yes. Okay. I'm going to fall asleep about the Spider-Mans. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to fall asleep while you guys do this. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm sure that we have audience members who have not seen it yet, so we should probably keep it kind of vague. Yeah. So. Fair enough. Did you Sounds enjoy? Like you had a good on, the hand, on the other hand, in the off time that is not being recorded for a podcast, sure, let's go ahead. <laughs> Granting wheels' wildest dreams. Yeah. <laughs> However, I, I mean, I, we do have to respect the spoil, massive spoilerdom that would come with any conversation on this topic. It's true. So, so have you already done what you're playing today? Not yet. We just launched directly into Activision Blizzard because it sucks all the air out of the room. <laughs> uh, I know. I, I, my personal favorite new news is the uh, apparent news that Funny or Die is actually making good on their 11-year-old uh, trailer for the Weird Al Yankovic biopic. Oh yeah, yeah. that was actually announced. Yes, um, and they're. It's not even a joke this time. They are actually doing it, and the first website, um, first news site I could find with news on it actually said, yes, we know this sounds like a Mad Libs. It's serious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I saw Daniel Radcliffe. Yep. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Utterly bizarre. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's about on brand. I suppose that's yeah. correct. I mean, the entire thing is supposedly about the tawdry scandals and li bizarre lifestyle choices of one of the guys who's probably the most, I mean, mild-mannered, straight-edge person in Hollywood. <laughs> Listen, I could watch two hours about him talking about making UHF. It'll be fine. <laughs> I was going to say, I did watch the making of UHF. <laughs> nice. It's a fun movie. It's worth seeing the making of. Yeah. It's also one of the one of the best movies set in Oklahoma. So. <laughs> Behind... A film adaptation of Oklahoma. <laughs> I've got that too. Was a joke. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, what you been playing, Gaijin? More SMT5? I am actually in the final level of Megaton 5. Oh, wow. Nice. I just blind picked on the big life choice at the, at the start of the section that determines which ending route I'm going on. Oh. So I ended up, <laughs> up with the toughest one. Go figure. Um, Oops. <laughs> yep. And um, my, uh, I think it's safe to make a, some final impressions on this one. But um, I absolutely loved the exploration. Massively loved the exploration, seriously. Um, mm -hmm. I wish that they had more demons. Mm -hmm. just, just because, I mean, I understand why, because it probably cost a lot to convert the, what, the models that they did have to 3D and the yeah. detail that they did. Um, and yeah. also some new ones, but I mean, my brain is just coming up with lists and lists and lists and long lists of demons from previous games that I really wish were in here too. Um, we'll probably see those filing into the game over the, into the spinoff over the course of the next decade. Oh yeah. I mean, part of the thing is, is that, um, they're actually kind of lacking in generics for the demons list. Hmm. I've got a lot of demons that are actual named deities 
that are showing up as mobs hmm. at times. And that's it's always weird. Um, or um, or other ones that are like uh, optional bosses in earlier sections and show up as regular enemies in the final area. Hmm. Or in the final big area. So there there is a there's a bestiary deficit here and a lot of so I think a lot of the demons that are that have like specific names probably should be special um, creations and not things that you can just catch in the wild. Mm -hmm. Especially not things that can appear multiples in a battle. Um, <laughs> so that's one thing. Second thing, I really wish they had done more plot concerning the three. Um, can't really call them antagonists, counter-protagonists, sort of, um, who represent the the lawful, chaotic, and neutral paths at the very end. Because mm -hmm. they do have parts to play throughout the game, it's just they don't appear much. And then there's a fourth character who I'm surprised has not appeared at this point. Yeah, I think I know who you're talking about, and I'm pretty sure that they probably had a large portion of the game cut. Yeah, um... Again, I think I'm guessing part of this just has to be the the sheer scope of creating the game in this style. Because I, I remember some of the earlier Mega Ten games actually going in weird routes in multiple directions for different counter protagonists. Um mm -hmm. so Yeah, there there is some disappointment in here, but it's overall it's a fun game. Um could have used with a, a bit more variety in how to get through certain battles instead of just blasting at them till they're dead. Uh, but that's not uncommon with this series. Mm -hmm. So, Skippy the Wonder Dolphin accepted, of course. Um, I still hate that little bastard of a cetacean. Um, remember, do you remember that boss battle? Nah. Soul Hackers, Skippy the Wonder Dolphin. Oh, lordy. Yeah, the one okay. where the actual best method of, I mean, since he absorbs all magic and has insane physical defense, the best method of actually killing him is to just keep feeding him magic until he spontaneously combusts. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, I beat him the worst, most difficult way possible the first time and then only figured out like half the game later that, wait a moment, if you if somebody absorbs more than 50% of their max hit, hit points, they explode. Hmm, okay. So when I took him out on 3DS, I was like, yes, I am, you know what? You wanted, you want my sweet, lovely magic? You get to eat it. Hmm. Yeah. Mm, rip. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to hear your final impressions. I assume you'll have finished by next week. <laughs> Maybe. I don't always have the best track record of finishing Mega Ten games. That's, just, fair. Um, That's fair. Yeah. Just because the final areas often tend to be like, I know how this is going to turn out by the end anyway. I've already seen all the really the coolest plot twists. Mm -hmm. Which case, there is one pretty good plot twist in, at the start of this final area. That's good. I was not quite expecting. So that part was good. There was some really good video footage. Mm. Um, so, Wheels, have you gotten past that boss yet? Nope. No, no. I got past some other boss in that area I was stuck on. Uh, it's the, the quest to get rid of the mermaid's curse or something. 
Oh, oh yeah, that one. yeah. I okay, just yeah. I just got a bunch of demons that had ice immunity, and then still took a few tries, but beat that boss. So now I got to try and figure out a strategy for the big boss. Yeah. Speaking of named demons who become regular mobs later on, yes. To be fair, I kind of expect that out of Pazuzu. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of people wouldn't really re realize that he's a named character either, but yeah. Mm. I mean, you've got like Son Goku running around multiple instances in uh, Akihabara. And it's like, he deserves better. Yeah. Plus, there's so many so many uh, generic demons in the old indexes that they could have used. Mm. So. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, they've got Valkyries, so, I mean, yeah, lots of Valkyries, and then just have one of the named Valkyries as a special um, special summons or something like that. Mm. Be awesome. Although, um, some of the demon-to-demon -demon conversations are hilarious. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, there's this one little fox guy who's from Hokkaido originally, and if you have him mm -hmm. in the party when you talk to a Karapokal, uh, they will start reminiscing about the good old days up north. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, like, Inugami and Shikigami will just start chatting up about um, just being stuff. And then if you have Loki in your party and you talk to a Valkyrie, he will start, like, he will just start up insulting her. Rude. Um, until she gets so mad that she tries to kill you. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then Hydra and Yamata no Orochi will get into a debate over who has more heads. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something that they would take a great deal of pride in. Yeah, and then uh, finally there was a, there's a demon called Kyun, which is basically this, look, looks like Rasputin's head on a star. Mm -hmm. And if you have him and you talk to a Dantalion, which basically looks like Starro from DC Comics. Nice. Um, Kyun will start off by accusing Dantalion of stealing his look. <laughs> and get into an argument over who, who really owns the star shape. And finally, that Mormon Kuhn is like, but you know what? You know what? It's all cool. Let's form a club. Let's be let's be star shaped buddies together. And Natalian's like, okay, sure. And he joins you. Nice. You know what? I've heard of better. I've heard of worse reasons. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I really should try to see if I can find more of these, but they're just very funny. Yeah. Even the ones that end up with the demon trying to kill you. Because they're not all positive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd imagine. You mentioned the Loki one, which sounds like it doesn't as well. <laughs> I think the Hydra one ended up with Orochi trying to kill me, too. <laughs> it was annoying because I was trying to recruit sense. the thing for, an, for, a, um, for a merger. So. Well, but yeah, after that, I've, I mean, I really should just, I've got something here on Steam that I need to be looking at and getting written up before the, uh, uh, before the, uh, um, oh, not whatever it is, the media blockade on it is finished. So, yeah, that makes sense. The embargo. Yeah, the thing, embargo. Brian, why are you coming up with the wrong synonyms today? Okay. 
Yes. Yeah. 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 I can't really say, but there is an embargo for a week from now, and it's not that long, so I really should just uh, get through. Power through. Yeah, or start it even. Um, <laughs> haven't had to start it yet. I would have done it this morning, except hey, hey chance for movie. <laughs> Fair enough. You chose correctly. Yes, I did. I so, Wheels, what have you been playing? Oh, good. I mean, I could have, I could have done it next week, maybe. But the way things are going, I'm not sure if this movie theater is going to be open next week. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm something of a scientist myself. Yes. Don't lie, Williams. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So what have you been playing, Williams? Uh, I've been playing some Dragon Quest Eleven, motoring along in that. I see that. Yes. Uh, along with more Monster Hunter Rise on PC, which is Monster Hunter Rise, but a little nicer and a little faster. A little bit louder and a little bit worse. Yes. Um, and what else? I've been oh, playing too many games at once. Playing some East 8. Oh, I saw that, yeah. Also playing... Um, Persona 5 Strikers, trying to clear some things off the backlog. Uh, I, I mean, once I, fin once I finally took Persona 5 Strikers off of hard, I'm making a lot more progress in that. So, Funny how that works. Yes. Yeah. Well, I forgot how hard those Musou games are when you put them on hard. So that's my yeah, story. Musou games. Mega 10 game is when you put it on hard. It's true, but I, I have beaten all the personas i've played on hard so i kind of just defaulted to that and just stupid oh well you can fix that it's fine yep it's all good now so hoping to finish some game some games in the early part of this year I'm right, uh, which probably won't be smt5 since i'm making such slow progress in that but yeah that's not gonna happen but i yes. i don't care i'm not gonna rush through it so. that's healthy but you do have to be able you do have to have something off the backlog before you start playing yes. bu last rico and elden ring so dragon quest 11 yeah. is what i want to get off the backlog before gu comes out and at least East 8 or Persona 5. Actually, I would really like to get both of them off the backlog before Elden Ring comes out. Elden Ring and Final Fantasy Origin thingy. Uh, Stranger of Paradise. Stranger of Paradise, so. yeah. So we'll, yeah. See, we'll see how that goes. I know Strikers isn't super long, so... Yeah, you're like 40 for that. Yeah. So... I like how we're we'll saying that's not super long. <laughs> Uh, your day and a half of your life. Um, I think I can say something about him. Uh, yeah, I was threatening to try to uh, give Wheels a very good reason to try to finish E8 faster. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, I think he... the the other half half of that is I've been holding off like playing a lot more of East Nine until I finish East Eight. I've played a good amount and watched pause stream a ton of it, so I already know. Like most of the story beats, uh, but I really wanted to just get East Eight off my backlog because I'm supposed to be the East expert, and I haven't finished the two most recent East games. Get good, scrub. Yeah, so I need I need to correct that. 
so we'll correct that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, some some other things are probably going to get pushed to the side, like Tales of Arise. I like it a lot, but I just I don't like it. Got to be in the right things. So, yeah. Got to be. Yeah, it's got a lot to compete with. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna play so much of that. Uh, yeah. But I was gonna say something about that. Uh, yeah. Uh, I guess I gotta do Mega Man check-in, don't I? Um, I don't know if I had started in on Zach's last time that I. I think yeah, I had. Yeah, you had. Uh, so I finished Zach's. And I finished Zex Advent. And those were both pretty good. They're both... Uh, how to describe this? Uh, the things that... They both do just enough wrong to keep them from being all-time, like, greats. But at the same time... Uh, the things that they're doing wrong are different between the two. Mm. Uh, so I feel like it's very sad that Zex 3 was cancelled... Because yeah. that probably would have been really cool. Uh, I remember being kind of sad about that. Yeah, not they... so sad about shooting Star Rock Man, but um, yeah. Yeah, I gotta, probably... I gotta do Battle Network six soon. Yeah, and then I can get into reusing a Rock Man. But... Yeah, uh, Zex C, as it was apparently known, was seemingly canceled to put more resources mm -hmm. into Mega Man Nine. Uh, uh, yeah, like uh, like the the big loser for me as far as like what they did with Sex Advent was that they added so so like the entire game is built around like in Sex One your character is like getting all of the bio metals that let you turn into different Mega Mans. Uh, and in Advent, your character only has one biometal, but it's a biometal who, like, it's Model A, and it basically imitates the abilities of Axel, and then there's some plot shit about what it actually is. But the point is uh, that it, it has Axel-style abilities, which means that it can turn into, uh, like, Axel's gimmick in Mega Man X7 and X8 is can turn into other enemies. It can just turn into enemies. So they were like, well, it needs to have... You, you need to turn in to the bosses in this one. And that's fine when you're turning into other models of Mega Man. So like Model H or F or whatever from the first game. That's all good. Those are fun to control. Those are what the game's built around. But the problem is that you also spend a lot of time... Uh, you, you A lot of the bosses, the simple majority of them, like seven of them, are Mega Man X-style bosses. They're giant animals with weird hitboxes and strange movesets. Mm. And the problem that I run into is that I'm never excited to get any of those transformations. None of them are fun to use. They don't sound very fun. Because, like, the issue you run into is that most of them are built around really specific environments, essentially their own bossery. It's like... You fight, uh, like one of the one of the later ones you get is this, just fuck off gigantic like t like ice T-Rex, and that's kind of cool looking, 
but it can barely move. Its hitbox is ambiguous and gigantic. The only times you'll ever use it are the handful of blocks that only it can break. <laughs> so every time, like every so often, you just like randomly turn into this thing, break a couple blocks, of bo- blocks, and then immediately turn back because controlling it isn't fun because it can barely move. And that like that's good. true of half of these things. Just like real to. Like- Okay, this is a Mega Man-sized version of this boss. Yeah, like a, a, a reproportioned version of it, or like something I found myself wondering why they didn't just do. Just give Axel the abilities you give these things. Mm. So, like one of them, one of the ones you get is like, it's one of the first ones. Uh, it's it's like uh, Rose Rod or whatever. It's like this weird flower thing that uh, when it's just walking around, it's in this bulb form. And th- but it can, like, attach to these, uh, like, wires and slide up and down them very freely and move a lot faster. And there are platforming challenges based around sliding along these wires. You know, fairly simple ability. The thing is, of course, outside of those wires, it's a completely useless transformation. There is never a reason to use it. So, like, at that point, just make it so that the Model A has the ability to use those as your reward for killing that thing. Mm. Like, that would be more fun for the player, because it's like, oh, I got a new ability, so I can, like, you emphasize the Metroid aspect rather than, oh, I got this transformation that I have to tediously switch back and forth between every time I find one of those fucking wires. Hmm. But yeah, it, it does neither of those things. You turn into the thing, it's useless outside of the very specific areas where the wires are. Like, it's, it's just frustrating, because it's like, I don't, like... They, they've done everything they can to make swapping forms as uh, speedy as possible, but it still always requires, like, pausing the game for about three to four seconds, find, like, swap forms, uh, do what you need to do, and then pause it again to turn back into a form that's actually useful, because you just can't use any of these outside of their core, like, most of these outside their core environments. You get, like, there's one that's, like, a giant time-stop whale, and, <laughs> like... The the time freezing is used for a few interesting puzzles, but it's comic. It, it's even more comically useless. Like you can't even pretend to use that outside of its intended environment because uh, if it's not in the water, it literally can't move. And if it is in the water, its hitbox is giant and ambiguous, and a lot of the movement in water puzzles involve avoiding like hallways of spikes. So you need to use the other thing that can get through water that's Mega Man size, because that's the only way you'll be able to tell whether you're about to hit a spike or not. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it just, just doesn't really work. It's it's one of those things, like, it, it's not, it, it doesn't completely undo the game, because, like, you still get a bunch of, like, uh, biometal, like, Mega Man transformations that give you more abilities that are useful and that are actually fun to use. And for the most part, that's what you're going to be using the entire game. But it is one of those things where it's like, you could have saved yourself a lot of development resources by not building a a full half of the game's upgrades around these. Oh, well, I feel like ZXC probably would have fixed that, but we'll never get that. Rip. Oh, well, you never know. It may have a revival at some point. Maybe we'll get It'd a Gunvolt nice. game that's kind of like that. Yeah, I need to play the Gunvolts eventually. I played, uh, I played a demo of Azure Striker Gunvolt when I didn't really have any experience with 
They're very good. Uh, Mega Man's, and now I should just probably pick up the Striker Pack and Luminous Avenger X. Or what was the Japanese name of that? It had like a really funny name. It's like the Out of Gunvolt. <laughs> Let me see if I can find that. Gunvolt Chronicles Luminous Avenger X. Um, known in Japan as White Steel of X, the Out of Gunvolt. Okay. It's an incredible yeah. name. Yeah. But yeah, I need to. I'll need to play those because it's just like, well, I played all the real Mega Man games, and I played a bunch of fake Mega Man games. I played Darkwing Duck just because I thought it was funny. Where do I go from here? It's going to be like, well, the spiritual successors. Oh, so you're going to play Steel Wheels' copy of Mighty Number no. Nine? <laughs> yeah, Darkwing. Um, I don't think I. I don't. I do not have my copy of Mighty Number no. Nine anymore. No, you still. You no, I, that? I have an Xbox copy. I don't have my PS4 copy anymore. Oh, I just assumed that you had like a PC copy somewhere. Uh, I do. I don't know if I can. I mean, I have it on Steam. If I can. There, there's library sharing on Steam. That was the joke. Oh, there you go. But yeah, it's it's not a huge worry. I think I have other people that I know who I briefly uh, library had, share with me. I briefly had the Wii U version. That was, yeah, that version's <laughs> real bad. That was not oh, good. There was no official port of Unreal Engine 3 to the Wii U. Yeah, that was not good. That game had uh, 40, to 50, 40 to 50 second load times every time you died. You died a lot in that game. Yeah, uh, I like that game, but it's it's not great. It's certainly, it uh, encourages you to not die. That game is very much uh, important joke adding mediocre. Mm. But yeah, um, if yeah, see the funny thing about that game is I feel like if that was made by like some little indie, people, people would be, be like, "Oh, this is better than you expect." Yeah. The problem is that it was made by a company that had promised the moon about how they were going to essentially replace Mega Man. Yeah. And you did not. And I just had to go look up the clip of Morton Joe saying mediocre. (laughs) Did not get the moon. You got maybe one of the moons of Saturn or something. Oh, actually, no, because those are pretty cool. Yeah, those are what uh, those are what a bunch of the Mega Man X characters are named after. Um, you get the planet you got Venus. some sort of captured asteroid you get the planet Venus that's what you get I was going to go with a captured asteroid that works too mm-hmm. just one of those things where it's like oh that's kind of neat I'm not too concerned about that but yeah maybe maybe it could be a moon someday <laughs> didn't end up becoming a moon level 5 concept, level five bot concept and then level 5 got into immense uh, issues with oh god what is our next big children franchise we need once but yeah um but yeah I did those uh inspired by games done quick I seeing a decent run of it uh, I decided to play through Eternal Darkness Sanity's Requiem on a whim. Oh, God. Say what? I said, oh, God. It's 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 a well-made game made by a studio that should never have been trusted again. <laughs> Can't believe they were. Yeah, repeatedly. Uh, they got to make an X-Men game. 
Yeah, that was bad. That's a bad game. I played that when it came out. That's a real bad game. Uh, yeah, so for those, for those unfamiliar, it's not an RPG, but you know what? I'm going to briefly talk about it because it's an interesting, weird game. Uh, Eternal Darkness Sanity's Requiem was originally an N64 game meant to come out late in that system's life. It was killed. Like, that version of it was killed. It ended up coming out fairly early in the GameCube's life in 2002. It is a Lovecraft-inspired uh, horror game uh, with a fairly interesting uh, plot and a pretty, comp uh, a pretty interesting uh, magic system. What were you going to say? Wheels? No, nothing. Sorry. Oh, yeah, I thought I heard you mumbling something. Yeah. I was like, are you saying something? <laughs> but uh, it's about a bunch of... Uh, you play a procession of characters, uh, each of them coming into possession of the Tome of Eternal Darkness, a... Uh, book described solely as a blasphemous volume made out of human skin and bones uh, and see them sort of uh, meet their grisly ends as the results of the machinations of various uh, horrible Lovecraftian deities trying to uh, free themselves from an interdimensional prison <laughs> uh it's it's an interesting game. It's also like a very dark reminder of why the company who made it shouldn't have been trusted to make their own decisions. <laughs> <laughs> so we've all played games like that. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so like the, the thing about it uh, is that when you look into the game's development, it's like oh, uh, everything that Nintendo told you to do was the correct move. Every single one. Um, mm -hmm. but the, the most obvious one to me, uh, as I've been replaying this, uh, for the first time in 20 years, which is terrifying to think about, really okay. don't like that thought. I just turned to dust. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so the most terrifying thing, the, the most obvious is that apparently the game's original structure was very, very different. Uh, it was originally designed with the intention that you could play all of the chapters in any order, and that would make the story a confused mess that had no sense of pacing. Uh, and Nintendo apparently and told already? them... Say what? And it's not already? No, the linear story that they tell is actually fairly interesting, because it's told deliberately anachronically and in an interesting fashion. Uh... Whereas the idea of playing these chapters in any order would make it just completely nonsensical and have no sense of pacing. And that's like the game's biggest asset is that in its current form, it is very well paced. But apparently, like, make the just tell a just tell a story, just fucking tell a story was apparently a directive handed down by Nintendo to give the project more shape because it was already go running very late as a Nintendo 64 game. You can tell it was running late because the plot is about, oh man, spooky shit happening in the year 2000 and the game came out in 2002. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, but yeah, it's, it's a, an interesting game. Uh, 
It was, yeah, like I, like I said, originally in a 64 game, you kind of wouldn't be able to tell if no one told you because like the, all of the assets were completely redone on the GameCube. You can occasionally see ones that's like this was very definitely engineered for the N64 and not changed. But for the most part, it was a very it was a pretty good looking GameCube game for its time. But yeah, it, it's it's a well, it's an interesting, spooky little story. I would not call the game scary by any fashion because the entire the magic system, which is probably one of its most interesting features, is also completely like rock stupidly broken. Um, your because magic is used to solve puzzles, it has to regenerate as you walk around. But uh, the game's core mechanics are. You have a health meter and a sanity meter. Your sanity meter drains when enemies, uh, when you gaze into, when you look at enemies and, that are horrifying, that sort of shit. Uh, the thing is, like a third of the way through the game, you get a spell that can restore health and a spell that can restore sanity. So you, you know the game's just kind of over at that point. Like there are very few circumstances where you can die outside of occasionally, like the wonky targeting system gets you killed. But yeah, it, it's. It's a game that's like, oh, this is very interesting. Uh, the like I said, the plot is pretty interesting. There's some. It has some. One of my favorite uh, vocal performances ever. Actually, there is about a third of the way through the game. You play as a character named Maximilian Rivas, who uh, finds that his like he. Uh, what's the inciting incident for him? Basically, uh, cer certain of the game's monsters called Bone Thieves start infesting his, uh, infesting the servants around his, like, uh, 1700s mansion that so you find yourself, uh, uh, like, investigating the area. They, uh, after he gets attacked by one of his servants, uh, he finds the Tome of Eternal Darkness. Uh, finds out that there is, like, a giant uh, Cthulhu summoning mechanism under his house. Uh, tries to report that to the uh, police. They find a bunch of his servants' dead bodies because he uh, killed them, trying to kill the bone thieves, and is committed to an insane asylum for the rest of his life. Uh, and that story uh, ends with... Uh, the, the, his credited voice actor is a guy who I've heard very little of uh, named, like, William Hooskins or something like that. But I am convinced that he is, and I've seen other claims on the internet to this effect, that uh, at least some of the time he is an uncredited Michael Bell who was a fixture of 80s cartoon voice acting. Hmm. And he gives this just, he is, like, going nuts, uh, screaming at the top of his lungs about how uh, I, I'm going to pull up the exact verbiage that he uses because it's very overwrought and theatrical in a very fun way. Uh, and it's just been on my mind. Like it, it, this is a set of lines that pops into my head essentially every few years for the past uh, several decades. Uh, let's see. Eyes rot their eyes. Their staring sees through your soul like looking through a window. Uh, but yeah, that's like some of some. That's one of his rants. But his like final rant is, I tried, I tried to tell them, but they wouldn't listen to me. Damn them! Damn their eyes! They didn't believe me. Strange creatures. The world is 
in peril from unseen foes. Death, the darkness. Instead, they jeered and threw me into this forsaken place, place of empty souls and fevered thoughts, reeking of fetter and decay, thinking me mad with delirium. Fools cast away their hopes of salvation by locking me in this damned asylum. May the rats eat your eyes. I am now lost to your cause. The darkness comes, it will damn us all. And he's just like going nuts. His character model is constantly like there's spit flying out of his mouth the entire time. It's incredible. <laughs> it's, it's, well, at least they got the Lovecraftian aspect down pretty well. Yeah, no, it, it definitely has that sort of quality to it. It reminded me a lot of one of my other favorite games from the era, which shares a lot of voice actors with it, which is uh, the Legacy of Kane games, which also have a lot of very theatrical dialogue <laughs> being delivered by 80s cartoon voice actors. <laughs> 80s, car- 80s uh, cartoon voice actors are the bomb, though. They, they were very uh, committed to their professions and had a lot of range that 80s cartoons did not give them a chance to use. Yeah. Also, um, my daughters have oh. recently discovered Rescue Rangers. Nice. Oh, man. Oh, I loved Rescue Rangers. Yep. I need to buy They're... the box set when I can. For some reason, Disney Japan has started showing them again. I, huh. I'm not quite sure why. Possibly, I recently found out that they're actually making a live-action CGI blend movie for Rescue yeah, Rangers. Yeah, they were trying to revive that property as I recall. I didn't realize it was a movie, well, I, but... I, I'm guessing that's why they're showing it on TV in Japan now, is they're prepping their audience. Yeah, definitely. Because, like, I know that, as far as I can tell, there isn't... There doesn't seem to be as much awareness of, like, Disney afternoon or TV shows in general in Japan, just based on what yeah. gets allowed into Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh... I also got... I also found a copy of the DuckTales movie, which my daughters received for Christmas. So they're <laughs> And I was kind Watch of, that movie I, it, 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 had, it had been, I'm going to say about 30 something years since I last saw this movie. And I was very surprised to realize that the villain is being played by Christopher Lloyd. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah I, was like, I know this voice. Is that Christopher Lloyd? It is. Oh, wow. Yeah, he did a few uh, voice acting roles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and of course he did Judge Doom. So... so here is um go, so you missed this i don't know if you were actually here gaijin but they were discussing the abk microsoft file. King file i came in in the middle of that yes okay were you here when i was commenting about the legal problems going poof nope because no gaijin was not here when i joined up okay so no i i i, I was in the chat talking for because i was at work so um so here's what could potentially happen to all the lawsuits. And we actually ha- saw this happen when President Trump was no longer president and all those lawsuits about him enriching himself while being president got thrown out of courts was because they didn't matter. And here's the reason why I think Bobby Kotick did this. Because this has probably only been about two, three weeks max of them actually doing this buyout ever since Phil Schaefer made that tweet about calling Activision Blizzard and disclose the details. Yeah, the, the timeline seems to be like they made an initial offer in November and Activision came back in December. That, that's what has leaked out about how this went went down. Right, so the reason the lawsuits may all end up go poof if they are not all 
finalized be, or ruled upon by judges before the ink is dry is because they won't match her because Activision... And we consider that it's like it, null because Activision no longer consists is as an entity to press charges against. Exactly. Or not an entity <laughs> in the form that it was at the time those lawsuits were initially filed. Mm -hmm. Well, that's annoying. Yeah. That's and, a and, yeah, so it's very... and. So, and I think one of the biggest, bigger changes that happened between November and December was we had several states' attorney generals seek, look at, start looking into Activision Blizzard because their state lost money because of the drop in their stocks. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, so I think that's some of the big change. That was the biggest change that happened in that time frame where, you know, they were delaying on the. E the EEOC thing and the employer whatever thing of California and now you have five like five or six states attorney general start looking into the company for legal issues in regards to the drop of their stock prices because yeah, mm. nothing nothing motivates the attorneys general be, uh, more than a bottom line mm -hmm. so. well uh, considering the very American, all part very of American. This, it was all part of the state general funds. So most state general funds are sort of divested to try and bring money into the state. Mm -hmm. And so um, because, and some of them were like through hedge funds or whatnot, and some of those funds were actually in Activism Blizzard. So when the stocks fell, the, those states lost money. Mm. I may not be a lawyer, but I have a lot of lawyer fa family. So I understand yeah. legal practices i just mm. cannot give legal advice honestly they probably wouldn't without uh accepting a case anyway so you're in good company i'd imagine oh yeah you know thanksgiving dinners with uh, where five people at the table are lawyers but <laughs> <laughs> uh, in any case uh, i guess as a parting uh <laughs> As a parting shot to uh, to Eternal Darkness, which I, you know, I enjoy, uh, I have been enjoying, but I do want to uh, make one last uh, joke at the expense of, which is to say, uh, also thank you for the compliment, Budai. Um, but the uh, there is a sanity effect in that game. There's a bunch of sanity effects that are meta sanity effects. Like, your character has low sanity and the game starts fucking with you instead of the character. Uh, I, I just found a screenshot where it said, it was basically the save screen, but it says, would you like to d delete all your save files? Yeah, that's one of them. That's the most infamous one. Uh, they apparently had a great deal of trouble getting uh, Nintendo to agree to let that sanity effect go through. It doesn't actually delete your save files, but they didn't want people thinking it had. Uh, but... <laughs> There, there's a bunch of other ones like that. There's one where the game pretends that your controller came unplugged and just has enemies like beat you to death. Uh, there is one that's like a different kind of cruelty where the game pretends that there's like a bunch of item pickups all over an area. Uh, particularly for characters who are reliant on ranged weapons. Like it'll just litter the floor with like ammo pickups and then 
Like, the second you try to use any of them, it just sanity flashes and you're back to where you started. Uh, but there is one particular one that's not really a joke too much at the player's expense, slightly, but not completely. But basically, you get to the if you get to the end of a character's chapter with low sanity, the game will sometimes uh, give you a sanity effect where it flashes a screen that just says like, uh, you know, the like the battle may be won, but the war is far from over. Uh, stay tuned for Eternal Darkness, Sanity's Redemption, or something like that. And like it, it pretends that the game has ended and it's baiting you with a sequel. And that is very, that is a very petty jab because it is very specifically a jab at Silicon Knights was involved with the first Legacy of Kane game, Blood Omen, the Legacy of Kane, uh, which uh, over some very complicated legal wranglings, I've never fully been clear on uh, the rights to that franchise ended up with some combination of eternal, uh, uh, of IDOS and Crystal Dynamics, who proceeded to make Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver, the most beloved game in that franchise. However, Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver is infamously not finished. Like, very obviously not finished. It ends on a note that says Raziel's journey into the night has, uh, is not yet finished, or something like that. Uh, and tells you that you're going to have to see the ending in Soul Reaver 2. Of course, the reason that you have to wait until Soul Reaver 2 to see the ending is because Crystal Dynamics had to release a game on time at some point. <laughs> Meanwhile, Eternal Darkness spent like four years with Nintendo giving them a bunch of rope in order to keep like finishing this damn game. So they were allowed to finish their game because their publisher was very understanding and very like careful in how it managed the studio. And you can tell because... Uh, this was, at this time, Two Human was four years and one console transition into development, and it was four years and one console transition away from finishing development. <laughs> uh, actually, it was, I believe, six years from uh, finishing development. I believe it was re-announced in 2006 and released in 2008. But, yeah. Uh, they, were, they were beneficiaries of very understanding publishing parties. Uh, yeah. Uh, also, Crystal Dynamics okay. is part of Square Enix. Yep. And they made a. They they were put to work on some very good Tomb Raider games and a very questionable Avengers game. Uh, yeah. I've, you know what? I've I had a friend who played uh, Outsiders at the start. It wasn't. It didn't look that bad. And apparently, the patches and the DLC coming out are have made the game really good. Huh. Uh, but yeah, uh, my final recommendation is, of course, to that everyone has to go look up a uh, my favorite scene from Legacy of Pain, Soul Reaver 2, which is just uh, Michael Bell, who you may recognize from uh, many 80s cartoons, and Simon Templeman, who you may recognize as the evil British-sounding guy from most Bioware games. Uh, just yelling <gasps> at each other. What's that? I said, oh, that guy. You may recognize him. I think he was Taron Logan uh, from Dragon Age Origins. 
But those two just sort of uh, yelling at each other about uh, the nature of fate for six minutes. That sounds wonderful, uh, actually. Yeah, no, it's fantastic because it's like uh, it's also like a great. It, it's great. I want to talk about Legacy of Pain a bit. Just uh, I'll probably end up putting writing something actually for the Patreon, which is still uh, in in a state of production of bringing it back, but. Uh, they're going to say something about it. Uh, but yeah, there's like a bit uh, early on as this good meta commentary where basically uh, Kane is talking about how he has seen their future and the tale is uh, is vague and crudely drawn. Uh, we, we must change its ending, which is a reference to the fact that the events of Soul Reaver 2 are very different from the ending planned for Soul Reaver 1. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's it's a very theatrical sort of game, absolutely. Uh, this is worth seeing. If you've never seen it, I'll just drop the link in here. Uh, but yeah, uh, fully recommend everyone go look up uh, Soul Reaver 2. There's a cutscene where that is about uh, Kane talking about the it, like etern- the struggle that he and Raziel are going to have throughout the series of games, where he's talking about how always one one must kill the other and inevitably or like and as well as the uh, paradoxical nature of the uh fate that he was assigned uh and him talking about repeatedly throwing a coin hundreds and hundreds of times in the hope that it will one day land on its edge and that he can have a third option for what to do but uh it's it's very uh, it's very good, very theatrical, and it's two uh, excellent voice actors uh, doing excellent work with it. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll probably be writing about that series. Soon. But yeah, uh, those aren't RPGs, and we're done here. Uh, also, Budai says people who played the game often have fond memories of it. Sue me, but I thought Two Human was okay. It's not as bad as its reputation, but I definitely took issue with uh, mostly. Uh, the fact that every time you died, you had to sit through a minute-long cutscene of Valkyrie picking you up and putting you back down—that was that was a good way to turn people against your game. Uh, but yeah, uh, okay, I've ranted enough. Apologies, many many thousand pardons. Uh, um, let's let's maybe hit some questions. Do we have any uh, new ones? Probably not. Uh, I'll check the comments section, of course, but nothing in the podcast section. Uh, Budai, as part of our audience, is also always welcome to throw some impromptu ones directly into the chat. Anything on Monster Hunter Rises again? Nope. Anything on Welcome 2022? Oh, I just wanted to say I'm nope. fighting a boss called Dora in gray inside a painting. Yeah, that one's an incredible joke. I enjoy that. Oh, hey, Heavy, what's going on? Let's see. Uh, let's see. Yep, what's looks the, like we are. What's the joke on that? Dory in gray. Okay, I thought that's where it was going. Yeah, but... yeah no, that's absolutely. It's also a painting. Okay, let's scroll down a bit to the big old list of questions, which has now lasted us a year. <laughs> uh, let's see. 
Happy says, I told Twitter I didn't pee my pants. I feel like there's a story here that I need to know. <laughs> I feel like that's uh, that's one of those, like, my I didn't pee my pants shirt is causing me uh, me to get a lot of questions already answered by my shirt. <laughs> um, so, um, Budai's got some questions for me on Final Fantasy fourteen apparently. So, um, mm-hmm. there yeah. could be a few different reasons. Um, not all... So, if you're, like, in a major city... You cannot actually summon your uh, mount there. Um, if you're playing on PC, you can find all your mounts uh, underneath the character command list under mounts, and you can uh, summon it that way. But no, not all areas actually allow you to summon the mounts, uh, depending on where you may be. Also, Heavy says he spilt water on himself, which explains that. Ah, I, I, okay. I'm assuming live on his stream. <laughs> That's the dream. Yeah. But I've been see. attacked by cats on stream, so you know. Nice. I've fallen yeah, asleep, be asleep on stream. Many times. You've fallen asleep in podcast. That's true. I mean, that's a weekly thing, Wheels. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I'm going to roll back through some ones that I think we skipped for various reasons at various times. Uh, This was question number 67. I've heard people saying that the current uh, gen home consoles are that big, partly because Sony and Microsoft now care less about the Japanese market. The market uh, trend there is handheld low-power devices like the Switch and mobile. Is there any truth to this, or are they confusing the chain of cause and effect? Uh, I mean, their their insistence on going for power was always going to make them larger devices. You need space uh, for the cooling. Mm-hmm. Yep, space for the cooling. Like the the like as as much as like miniaturization continues, there's there's still like a, a big new graphics card tends to be larger than a. Uh, and anything like that, like it's it's going to be larger, run hotter, so it needs space and cooling space. Yeah, I mean Moore's uh, law works on the mi- on the individual items, but it doesn't take into account the aggregate that is the board itself. So yeah, transistors get smaller, but the transistor boards get huge. Especially because hey, they tend to link up even more transistors. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Well, and another one directed. I'm oh, sorry. I was just gonna say I was expecting a darker end to this Dragon Quest plotline. Oh, there's other everyone, ones. I was thinking like everyone sucked into the painting was just gonna be dead. <laughs> they actually got one out. That happens sometimes. You'll sometimes just get those plots where it's like, well, too late for everyone else. <laughs> Rip yeah, to you, but uh, I'm different. The, I remember one particularly in uh, Dragon Quest Seven that I was expecting with the the petrified people, which I was expecting to end with. Oh, you save everyone, and then nope, nope, you save the one, buddy. You save the one person who was inside. That's it. Yep, I remember that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's dark. Yep. Um. Let's see. You ever thought about uh, this one was directed directly at Gaijin? Have you ever thought about 
looking into teaching materials from Japanese universities that taught game development. I wonder if we can find anything uniquely Japanese in those. Um, not that I, I mean, I haven't really looked at it. I mean, hmm. I think of some people who might actually know, but um, hmm. haven't really bothered to investigate. Gotta find out what uh, Toto Iwatani was teaching when he was at uh, some prestigious Japanese university after getting essentially no money for creating Pac-Man. Let's see. Uh... Let's see. What is the most important aspect when it comes to lowering the barrier of cost of entry when it comes to game development? Lower, uh, lower hardware specs like the Wii and Switch... That creates a lower set of like assumptions about how you need to build your assets, but I mean the big thing is just making sure that people's pool chains aren't completely fucked. Mm-hmm. Like the the like that's one of the reasons that the Wii U is a failure and the Switch is success. You can use like standard tools to make Switch games, and you could not use standard tools to make Wii U games without a great deal of pain. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, an unending chain of hell for everyone involved. Uh, like, cer- certainly the assumption that, like, we in Switch games did not need to be built to, like, the ridiculous spec that something like a PS4 or, or a PS5 or even PS4 game needs to uh, help keep budgets lower because it's like, well, no one has to build to this spec, and that means that the lower-budget games are allowed to look lower-budget without it becoming a problem. Uh, yeah, but you know, like higher hardware specs on companies that are less pushing the technology boundary, like the higher hardware specs make games easier over time. But the problem is that you still have like, especially a company like Sony that that they've gotten better over the years. Like they were at their nadir in the PS2 era where they were very concerned about the perception of their hardware's power based on the idea of, well, you know, that's just. Like, if this game comes out and it looks bad, then people will be less likely to buy this other game that looks good. And I don't know what they were thinking, but that was very much their thoughts in 2004. Uh, it might also have been intimi- an intimidation factor based on the fact that the PS2 was less powerful than the Xbox or GameCube, so they didn't want it to look like it was less powerful. But that's neither here nor there. The point is, like, uh, if you aren't enforcing the idea that everything has to look look as good as possible, higher hardware specs just give you more room to essentially fuck up. <laughs> a memory leak, a small memory leak isn't as bad when you have a bottomless well of memory that you're not actually using. <laughs> Let's talk about how that was the entire thought process behind why Donkey Kong 64 is an, it requires an expansion pack. Mm. Everyone hear this story? <laughs> it's beautiful if you haven't. Uh, I don't think I have. So basically, Donkey Kong 64 was not actually designed with the assumption that it would have all that extra RAM. Like the levels are not built for that. It it runs on a stock. It ran on a stock N64. The problem is, it had a persistent memory leak that would cause it to crash sometime around the 90 minutes to two hours mark. So. Mm-hmm. If you put in the expansion pack and gave it access to an additional four megabytes of memory in addition to the N64's base four megabytes of memory, that would change it so that it would usually only crash after like eight hours. 
And they considered that, yeah, that's fine. It's okay for something to crash after you've been playing it for eight hours straight when it saves constantly. So they just did that. They just made it so the RAM expansion pack was required. <laughs> this did not become a problem until people started playing the game on like Wii and Wii U with save states, where suddenly the uh, virtual memory assigned to the emulator would absolutely run out if you were just playing on save states for a very long time. Oh my god. <laughs> And that's why the uh, virtual console versions of that game were uh, like thought of as more prone to crashing. It's not that they were more more prone to crashing; it's that they were prone to crashing the same amount, but we were playing them differently. I remember you talking about this like a week or two ago. Oh uh, yeah, it might have been. It might. I don't think it was that recent, but yeah, it sounds like something I've gone off on about before. But yeah, like just having extra resources not having to optimize is honestly a godsend for anyone <laughs> it's not something that's good you you still should optimize even the best of cases but i mean not having to optimize saves you a lot of heartache mm -hmm. um, you want more wild west or more sci-fi for a potential wild arms yes uh, I would like, I, I want the balance that you see in something like, I think the one that would be most, that has the most interesting, like, balance that I think they could theoretically recreate is three. I think that game is Wild West augmented by sci-fi, which I think is a more interesting thing to me. Like, that's kind of the platonic ideal for me. I don't think they can recreate what I like about Wild Arms 2, even if they got someone even if someone was trying to make another game like it. Yeah, uh, three was three was a good balance. It had a, a pretty well um organized story outline actually. I remember Yeah, that. no, it's it's a well written yeah. game. Yeah. Very good. It's a bonus right there. Yeah. Uh so yeah, that that would be the one that I would want to see the most cues taken from in terms of how it's set and worked. <sighs> Anyone else got other opinions on that? No. No. Um, I mean, I really enjoyed five, but I don't think five necessarily needs a remake. Yeah, this wouldn't be a remake. It's just if Wild Arm Six were to take cues, like the one that I would expect, uh, the, the one that I would want is free. I, I would not like I would not want three. I like some of the setting stuff like you were saying is great. I, I four three, but I but three by itself, no. Um huh. I mean I, I actually will say like maybe a combination of two and five. Interesting. I'm not sure what that would look like, but interesting. Only because I really like the cast of two the most. Mm-hmm. But I like some of the gameplay that Five had. Mm. I'm I'm talking entirely about settings since that was what the core of the question was. Oh. Fair. Uh, but, but the characters help make the setting. It's true. It's true. Let's see. Uh, this one's there's there's a question in the chat that is seemingly aimed precisely at Wheels, who is the yeah, one that's the most agree one. with it. <laughs> Budai asks, why is Dragon Quest VII the best dragon? For a lot of reasons, actually. 
Um, let you do this while I hum and think about other things. <laughs> I mean, it's it tells this long and complicated tale, and it's not af- afraid to build the entire game around that, which I find admirable. Um, and it's not always to its benefit, sure, but I think ultimately it makes the game better because all the little storylines build to build towards something, and it ultimately has a very nice conclusion and in addition it has a really good battle system um uh is the pacing perfect no but when you're building a game that giant uh getting the pacing right is pretty difficult um but yeah it's uh, i absolutely love that game uh, I know. We'll see, we'll see how eleven stacks up. Because at least I like eleven better than eight. Although I still need to play the fully play the remake of eight, which is definitely much better than the original. So we'll see. That's it. I'll keep it short. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, oh yeah, there was there was uh, one thing that's been floating around that I wanted to bring up. I've brought up uh, this uh, YouTube channel before, but uh, it's recently been in the news. Uh, the uh, one, A former Bioware developer, Mark Dara, who is a key uh, guy on several of the Dragon Age games, uh, did a pretty interesting short video that's just essentially a tragic rant about the uh, internal culture of Bioware. Uh, basically talking about how unhealthy the Bioware magic uh, ethos that persisted within Bioware was. Oh, I think I saw it. If you haven't seen that article. Yeah, if you haven't seen that, that's worth seeing just to just to hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a very good like sort of brief. I think it's only like seven minutes, but it's basically just talking about like this is it. This is why it happens. This is why it's not a sign of good things. It's in fact a sign of bad things, and you need it's a proof of a bad production process. Very interesting video that is very worth. That is very short and worth your time. So uh, go look that up. It's uh, on his YouTube channel. Let me double check what it's called. Yeah, just old game dev device. Old game dev advice. Uh, just it's just the video is literally just called Bioware Magic, uh, along with the word rants. But yeah. Uh, worth listening, worth bringing up because it was recent and had made a bit of news. Uh, let's see. Any other questions that we had accidentally or skipped over for one reason or another? Yeah, looking, doesn't look like too many 
This one seems to have been skipped by accident. Number 104. What games make you surprised that there aren't many mods? Mine is NBA Jam. I assume that's mostly just that unless you're a bootlegging operation, it's actually rather hard to modify arcade games and... Uh, or at least it was for a very long time, rather hard to modify arcade games, and eh, the console versions were not something that people were that interested in trying to hack for a very long time. So, um, let's see. Uh, I don't keep tabs on like mods outside of like fan translations. So. Not a great source for this. I mean, mods have just gotten less prominent over the years, uh, just because like the amount of effort to even be able to make meaningful amounts of content changes to games has gotten out of hand, essentially. But uh, anyone got anything for this, or are we just stumped? <laughs> yeah. No, I I got nothing really bad. In conclusion, everyone go play Street Fighter 2 Rainbow Edition. <laughs> I will take any excuse to plug Street Fighter 2 Rainbow Edition. I've done it before. I'm going to do it again someday in the future. Uh, you did it Sunday. Yep. Guess what? Going to do it again. <laughs> Last week. Guess what? Going to do it again. Street Fighter 2 Rainbow Edition uh, dared to ask the question, what if... Uh, Zangief could uh, fly up through the screen hundreds of times while shooting fireballs and then randomly turn into Vega. And the answer right. is nonsense. <laughs> uh, so, so I don't what, think... So, so what you're saying is you're Goofy and you're going to get Rez and then use... Or no, you're Donald, you're going to get Rez and then you're going to use all your magic and die again. <laughs> Uh, listen, sometimes you just have to, you know, I think you just have to let things like goofy, where it's like, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> going to do it again. Uh, but yeah, no, the, the answer is that uh, I feel that uh, game, game mechanics as comedy are an underexplored concept, and Street Fighter 2 Rainbow Edition is the accidental master of it. But... <laughs> uh, yeah, um, let's see, uh, okay, here's something I think we can tear into, uh, I've heard the opinion a number of times that Japanese developers who created hits on the SNES, PS1, and PS2 had run out of steam by the time PS3 came out, hence why JRPGs went downhill during some generation. What do you think about this thing? Uh, I think it's more of a question of trying to learn a completely new and different style of programming and visual presentation. And yeah. some of their old masters aging out. Definitely a lot of that. To that, I would also add that there was... Uh, in their attempt to get games out while learning these... While, like elevating people that had not been in directorial positions before and learning new hardware, there was also a tendency to try to uh, 
streamlined development in ways, uh, like streamline how the game functioned in ways that they didn't realize were going to turn people off. And like the, the classic example is the no towns in FF13, like that sort of, and the hyperlinear structure, which is, you know, if you look at it, not a great deal more linear than FF10. Not really, But no. the thing is... Huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but the thing is... Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry, sorry, no, keep going. Sorry, sorry. But, yeah, the, the thing is that, like... Uh, and, and from the perspective of people making a game at that time, it, it made sense. Like, this has worked in the past. We will streamline it so that, like, we will emphasize what people like about this game. Character building combat and like plot and like the easy when your emphases are there and you're looking at what can we cut in order to try to streamline this development that is already going over time and over budget yeah i see how they got to the conclusion of well we'll just make less explorable area but you kind of see the logical end point of like you People were willing to forgive FF10 because they really loved FF10. Like, I don't, but a lot of people really love what's in that. And so it didn't matter to them as much that, like, they had really cut down on the concept of, like, exploration and world building. Uh, it, not, not that FF10 doesn't have plenty of world building in its plot, but I mean world building by means of exploration. Uh, whereas when you cut it down even further for a game that people are less invested in, suddenly its absence becomes a huge problem. And so that tendency towards like, make it simpler, make it more linear. Uh, like if it's going to be so linear, do we need an explorable area here? Do we need an explorable area there? And the answer is like, and this is, this is also true of a lot of times when you see a game that has like one section where it's like, oh, I don't like this section as much. Why is this in here? Why can't it just be the sections I like the most? It's like sections you like the most would get boring if they were just presented end to end over and over. But yeah, I, I think that, uh, I think that's an, another key part of it is the attempt to streamline to focus on what were considered the core strengths of the genre ended up leaving behind things that were necessary in order to make those strengths shine and work in the context of a broader whole. So, yeah, just, just something I've been thinking about for a while. Uh, anyone else got things to say? And, uh, we got a lot of it there. Sorry for interrupting. Uh, oh, no, no worries. I wasn't. I was mostly agreeing with you. I didn't mean to stop. Oh, you. okay. Uh, here's a simpler question. Uh, why did Chocobo's Dungeon as a franchise die? Because uh, the style of game was, became less popular. Yep. And so they yeah. stopped it. Yeah. It, like, mystery dungeons were not increasing in popularity, but product, cost of production on an average game was, which is what kills a lot of franchises. Uh, I mean, it's even slowed down like the Pokemon mystery dungeons. So yeah, when was the last one of those? Was there a 3DS one at all? Uh, oh, that... there was Super Mystery Dungeon, I think. Yeah, that was the last brand new one, and then there was the remake of the first one on Switch. Yeah, I remember there being like a Switch one, but yeah, yeah. like they, those are now like once a console generation as yeah. opposed to. And as far as Chocobo Dungeon, they've been they've just been re-releasing the last one a few times. 
Yeah, because as it turns out, for the most part, people don't actually need a completely new gun. Yeah. Which is sad, but... I mean, that last one is pretty sizable, so I'm glad at least more people get to play it, but yeah. In response to Budai's question, I think only Wheels has played any significant portion of these guys this year. Other than maybe Pam. I've Hmm? got it on my... 2021 completed games. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was about to say other than Tam. Yeah, other... <laughs> oh, okay, other than Tam. My apologies. Yeah, I, I don't know if Tam likes it, but I like what I've played so far. Certainly more than... Well, I haven't liked it enough to finish it. Certainly more than <laughs> I, five. I liked I five. It. <laughs> I, I liked it and hated it at the same time. Yeah, that sounds like this guy. So yeah. I I liked I actually enjoyed the char- I enjoyed the characters as stupid as they are of course I the auto battle system which is entirely not n- needed to play is the game's best way to level because of how high you have to level to beat some of those things Hmm. so it so it's a great game for me to put on at work set down my switch and do my job because i can have it go auto battle on its own for a while now how (laughs) how complicated is it to set up the auto battles because i (laughs) when i saw that system i was like oh that's neat i'm not going to use that at all it is it is as easy or as hard as you want to make it okay so cool I'm cool with that. Yeah, so if you... And like, I just have it set up to just literally auto-battle, um, but if, but you there are ways to, like, make some very intricate custom commands. That's good. That's the way it should be. Because, I mean, if it's not... If, if it doesn't require your endpoint at all, then it's pointless. <laughs> That's basically what I'm saying. Yeah, um, I have run into issues where um, if it requires you to kill a mob that is like super, super below you and you actually have to like throw a character, then it doesn't um, tend to like that as much. Uh. So you have to actually, so occasionally the battles will end because your people can't normally reach the characters. Um, But again, that's based on me just using the baseline auto battle and it will go battle I gave up on that game after the demo so I can't really see anything else hmm yeah I can I can speak on it a little more like the reason Disgaea 5 made it made me hate life essentially is it made the game much more boring by taking out a lot of the interesting elements they often put in levels like the geo panels and just more interesting level design and made it very very bland and in addition to that they also made the the main story campaign almost three times as long as they usually are. Which is not a combination for success. So, 
the fact that Disguise 6 is shorter and makes levels interesting again has been a hit for me. Uh, is it going, am I going to find it better than like 3 and 4? Well, most certainly not, but I like it. Oh yes, I'm going to be changing all the hearts. Heavy. That is what's going to be happening in this game I'm playing. Just Persona 5 Strikers. For anyone listening and not watching. <laughs> important, important. Yes. Uh, yeah, Disguise 6, I... I recommend to people that may have fallen off the series because of 5 or... Maybe even D2. Um, it, I found it to be a return to form, and hopefully, uh, whatever comes next will be even better. Because I think it, I think it sold well. So, hmm. Let's see, uh, improbably hopeless. Um. In an earlier episode, you talked about how the compilation of Final Fantasy VII was born from Square Enix worrying that they would never create something as popular as episode 7. Besides the fact that episode 7 was lightning in a volatile situation, could we go down the list of why FF8, 9, 10, 11, and 12 were not as big of money makers as episode 7? Uh, I mean, lightning in a bottle is a huge aspect of it. Uh, FF10 almost was, to some extent. Um, but, I mean, if you look at something like... Uh, eight, you just get into long debates about, like, people just didn't respond to the characters as much. That's a lot of the enduring legacy yeah. of FF7. And Look at something. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just I was just going to go down the list, so if you got something yeah. to say about it. No, I was just going to say, nine came very late in the PS1's life. Yeah, people were kind of not paying as much attention to the PS1 at that point. Uh, because, like, oh, it, I believe that uh, so, like, the, this is very silly, but, I mean, it probably did slightly hurt FF8. FF8 in the U.S. came out the same day as the Dreamcast. So, like, some of its thunder was stolen. It was still a huge game, obviously, but, you know, it had more to go up against. Uh, whereas FF9, in the U.S. at least, I believe that's, like, an October of 2000 game? Yeah. Let me double check just to be one hundred percent. Yes. Yeah, it was definitely out by Christmas of two thousand. But if it was an October of two thousand game in the U.S., then it's even more so. Like in Japan, it was a July of two thousand game, which means that it came out like four months after the PS2, and that kind of sucked the air out of the room. Looking at it in the U.S., it came out in November of two thousand, which means that it came out three weeks after the PS2. So people's attentions were kind of thoroughly wrapped by look at the ne look at the pretty next gen games. Um, see, ten as mentioned honestly had like a pretty huge uh, footprint. It was the first game to get an actual honest to god this is a sequel. Yeah, uh, and only part of that was Square needing money. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but. Yeah, uh, that that was not remastered before seven did. <laughs> Although that was more because they were afraid of what to do with seven. Sure, but yeah, sure. but still. Bear, bear in mind, uh, Square actually announced 
PS2 remasters of 7, 8, and 9 that never happened. But, uh, yeah. Uh, 11 was an MMO. Uh, and as the next question will be hitting, uh, acknowledges, like, MMOs have not hit as, like, a thing that... So, like, here's a big deal about uh, Final Fantasy at the time as it relates to uh, FF11's prospects. Uh, Final Fantasy XI... Uh, Final Fantasy fans at the time were, uh, especially in the U.S., there was not this hardcore... Uh, there was not as much of a hardcore of, like, fans who were, like, well into their, like, careers and had both who somehow had both time and disposable income, because a lot of them were uh, anywhere from, like, 13 to, like, early 20s. And for a lot of them, $15 a month to have the privilege to play a Final Fantasy game you don't even know if you'll like is kind of a big ask. Uh, especially the younger end of that spectrum, who suddenly have parents to deal with because they need a credit card to pay for Final Fantasy XI monthly subscriptions. So that was inevitably that was going to hurt its target audience that existed at the time. Yeah, I I was just out of high school and I did have at least a debit card because I and I had a job, but that was um yeah that was definitely. Did I cut out or did Tam? Eleven. I'm talking eleven. You you cut out. I don't know why I cut out. No, not you. I meant Dave. Sorry. Oh, okay. Okay. Well then, I guess I'll have to listen in the. In the <laughs> to the finished episode to hear the answer there, but uh, uh, I'm sure that it had more insight than I did because you know I didn't play it. Uh, so, so I was just out of high school um, and I had my first job, so I had money and I had a way a way of paying for eleven. So I did I I did pay for, play eleven for a while, but mm. yeah, it was. Uh, By all accounts, it's a very mean MMO. <laughs> Yeah, well, for its time, it was very standard. I mean, everything mm. it did for its It's just time, that MMOs were really mean at the time. Yeah, all of them were very much not what we consider MMOs now. Mm. And we'll get into that more with the next question, but just to hit FF12, <laughs> uh, it was really late. Like, it was really late. People were used to getting Final Fantasy games like once every two years. And... The, that game came out like a lot of people skipped 11 because of the MMO thing and not being sure if they cared, that sort of thing. What? 11 was MMO. It was just called Lost Odyssey for some reason. Never got that. Yeah, and that came out after FF12. So not, it doesn't count in any case. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like uh, FF12 was really late. Like that in the US, that's 2006. Uh, I think. Let me double check. I, I want to be clear on any of these. I want to get any of these wrong because they're the backbone of my reasoning. Yeah, that's a 2006 game. Uh, that's an October 2006 game. That means it came out a month before the Wii and PS3 and nearly a year after the Xbox 360. So... PS2's in its twilight. Uh, a lot of the really best-selling FFs, as it uh, unsurprisingly end up being ones that are available to purchase for a very long time in a console's lifespan. Uh, 
but yeah, uh, Budai points out that Eleven made more money than most of them. Yeah, but it made it from a smaller audience, which is really the the question about footprint here. Like people who played FF11, from what I can tell, really bought into FF11, absolutely fucking loved it. But uh, you know, not as many people. Uh, it's it's a smaller audience paying more. But uh, let's see. Uh, but yeah, tw 12, you know, like none of these games lost money by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but, you know, they were not uh, world beater hits the way that a lot of the other, uh, the, the way that, you know, something like FF7 was, where it's like, well, we can't ignore this thing's footprint because it has now instained our entire franchise. Uh, but yeah, uh, 12. You know, uh, it, it, it was just, it was, that's it. Like, by the time 12 actually came out, people were not, it had been announced so long before, people had gotten so used to hearing about it, people had moved on. They were interested in these new consoles to play on. Which, again, still sold plenty, still has a hardcore fan base, still beloved, but, you know, it, it definitely hurt its ability to be, to capture an undivided audience the way Southern Attack. Uh, and to hit the corollary question. Speaking of FF11, how the hell couldn't it and Fantasy Star Online make a big breakthrough for the MMO genre that WoW did? Curiosity's sake, I tried WoW Classic and it's really as faithful, faithful to the game circuit 06, and I will say that there were way better Chinese and Korean MMOs back then that I played. Yeah, well, that's also... Those were not... There was not a huge uh, attempt to export those to America... WoW is a much friendlier game than either FF11 or uh, or Fantasy Star Online. Fantasy Star Online also had the uh, major issue of its heyday being on a console that infamously did not make it past its third birthday. Uh, <laughs> like P PSO was doomed by the fact that it was a Dreamcast exclusive game. PSO is also like debatably in a like. It's, it's not, an online RPG. Yeah, I would heavily debate that. It's it's Diablo with a bigger lobby. That's always the, the comparison that I hear. I've only played yeah. a bit of PSO. Like, I played a bit of the Blue Bears fan server. But yeah, like, it's it's not a... It, it, I it very quickly... Mm -hmm. it, uh, it very quickly separates instant-to-instant -instant play, even if you're playing... Yeah. Uh, well, even the, if you're the, playing the, online. The, you're... Looking at that in a very narrow light, there, Budai, is that um, Final Fantasy XI? I want to say came out what two years before WoW. Oh, shut up now. <laughs> Continue. Sorry. And so, um, it is a vicious game, but and it did stay vicious for a very long time. But the people who were playing it came off of. EverQuest. WoW is just a progression of the MMO genre for its time. So you had, like, everything that has come before many even modern MMOs were indeed tougher, and as the progression of goes on, they have more better refined how they work. The, prob the problem with modern WoW is it is purely designed to try and get you to log in Ever, basically to keep you subbed and active no matter what. 
and and that's why WoW fails in the current state. But back then, it was a much, it was indeed much casual. You know, I will admit, I bounced off Final Fantasy XI two different times after playing it for two months because I just was like, no, this is, this is not for me. And I've played WoW for years because it was indeed a much more approachable game. I will say this, but. I wouldn't say they were that FF11 wasn't nearly as accessible as well, only because it's older. FF, yeah, it's just older, and and they both had equal access. I think part of the reason why FF11 didn't catch on as readily as WoW did was because before that, everything for Final Fantasy were the JRPGs, and oh, you know, JRPGs. That's you know, nerds. That's geeks. Whereas WoW had Warcraft, which was an RTS, which had a different, like, connotation within the gaming community. I think it's. I think there's a lot more to it than that, though. I mean, I'm obviously, sure, I'm I think sure there's more. It, I am sure there's obviously more. Warcraft has a lot to do with it on getting people in, but the reason they kept a lot of people in is because it cleaned up a lot of the issues that games like Final Fantasy XI and EverQuest had, and just that. There was a lot you had to get through to be able to actually enjoy the game that WoW just cleaned up. And I think there's know, also I, something. I'm not not gonna fault like FF11 for just like aping other games at the time. You know, it's it's just another MMO doing what other MMOs were doing at the time. Uh, but um, yeah. Uh, it, it was definitely more than just um, the brand. I think there's there's some other things to tie it in with that. Like Final Fantasy fans were the kind of people who were used to playing single player games. They wanted to play single player games for the most part at that point. Whereas uh, you know the kind of person who was playing Warcraft was probably not was much more likely to be the kind of person who like they played the campaign, but they also played a bunch of Warcraft other. On Battle.net, they were used to playing games online. That was a fun thing to do. Yeah, that too. Which definitely helped. Uh, but there's also, like, there's a fundamental design uh, difference in terms of how they're being approached. Because, like, things like EverQuest or Ultima Online or all these other, like, really early MMOs, they're designed to, like, emphasize you should be playing with other people. And part of the way they do that is being really fucking vicious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, you know, like, how do you force players who are not, who are asocial to to work together? Well, you make it so that if they try to go it alone, they die. <laughs> like, that's how you try to force cooperation if you don't, if you haven't done a ton yeah. of research into how you get people to cooperate in games. And, like, that's part of why those communities ended up being really loyal and really close-knit because they all got really into the game together. They kind of had to. But, you know, it also meant that something that WoW could do, which we really talked about, like, the strong word of mouth that got people playing it who yeah. didn't typically play that kind of game was it was an easy game to play. You could play it with friends and not have to think about yeah. optimization. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, there wasn't a massive learning curve because it had a UI that was easy to read. Like one of the things that still bugs me, even in Final Fantasy fourteen, is just, okay, I need to go here for this quest. Let me open my map. 
this map is really annoying to deal with. Can't freaking find anything. And See, I don't have that issue with it. Uh, I, I don't mean, know why everyone says they can't find anything. It tells, it says where stuff is. It's really every UX is going to hit people yeah, a little different. It, it There's has, no universal. It has there. issues, and I could, I could, if I had the energy to do it, which I don't, I could go make a nice video essay of comparing its map to wow's map but wow's map is like perfect because there's different areas you can look around at the area you can zoom out to the larger world map i think it goes to like the continent and you can zoom out further it's just it's really easy and that's kind of, that's extremely important in a game with a gigantic world to navigate and just there's there's lots of other touches like that uh, that make it make it easier for your average person. I to I stick will admit I remember using map add-ons back in Burning Crusade to try and find where stuff is because a lot of the stuff that they have built in since was not available back in that time. Oh, I'm not saying it was perfect, but it was miles ahead of everything else that was available at the time. Obviously, they've improved it since then. But yeah. Mm. And uh yeah, Pew Pew says add-ons made Warcraft. Yeah, that's another thing is that there were all sorts of oh, yeah. add-ons like the, the the game was pretty moddable as far as add-ons go. All kinds of it's a whole litany of different things. You could smooth over what was what ailed you about WoW in a way that yeah. like FF eleven definitely had a uh, PC fan base that ultimately became like the only people playing it eventually, but like as it first released and ha where its initial target audience would have been, it was a PS2 game. So you were kind of stuck with the design that Square had assigned to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of little things. It would be impossible to fully disentangle what caused WoW to be what it was, but it's a Big, big list yeah. and a lot of strange a lot of things that are about it and a lot of things that are just about the market yeah. oh Jesus, Pew has 15,000 hours in WoW <laughs> that's terrifying I can't even imagine that I mean good on you, as long as you had fun but god damn I have thousand I mean I have two days worth of accrued game time on a single character damn yeah, I'm just looking at like 15,000 hours to years is uh, 1.7. Yeah, so yeah, I, I have that beat, apparently. Don't want to think uh, about that. Not going to. Won't. I'm sure my brother has that sort of playtime as well. Well, uh, I guess you live in Azeroth now. Um, I don't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> moved out. Place was a dump yeah. now. Um, yeah, it was yeah, after Mr. Pindaria and barely played after that. Okay. I I played so up I, until I put I was playing fairly consistently until BFA. I came back and finished up BFA when they basically fixed everything that they screwed up in BFA. And I played for several months. Then I jumped into Shadowlands when it released, played for like a month, and completely said, I hate this. I am not getting the full amount of story. I am not getting the full experience because they split it into four separate things that are a pain in the ass to do. 
And I said yeet. And I have not gone back since. Yeet. I may go Stay back gone. with the new expansion, especially if it's after, act, you know, Blizzard takes over Activision. Because uh, maybe it'll be good. Uh, I mean, hey, if... if... Wow, subscription is part of Game Pass. I'll play it. Why not? <laughs> oh, That's not even an impossible yeah. concept. Sweet lord. <sighs> I mean, I think I played till the first expansion or so, but I remember like trying to go back in and it was like, uh, I can't even play my hunter like I used to. This sucks. That's always the issue with retention on MMOs is that like, you want to you want to be able to have people come back in and just start playing again, but if it, inevitably you rebalance classes or change how they function. It's yeah. like, well, my stickiness is gone. I no longer care. Yeah, and, they, they rebalance so many classes since if you've been gone for that long, you'd have no idea how like pretty much anything plays. Yeah, I tried to play WoW Classic, but it was just like, yeah, this isn't that great either. <laughs> now, am I saying any, every MMO, you know, even Final Fantasy XIV is a perfect MMO, or even perfect game? No, it does have its issues. It has a ton, which I could list in detail if you'd like. <laughs> they may be issues for you. <laughs> oh no, I'm not talking about issues for me, I'm just talking about actual issues. It, it's got issues. I know people love it, um, but I can... But when was the last time you actually played it? Not that long ago. I leveled up and got a Dragoon uh, in November, I think. No, I have played it very recently, and... Okay. Because I, I want to eventually play the storyline in the expansions, but every time I go back, I have lots of issues that that just make me not enjoy my time in the game. And and some of it could be, you know, um, like, that, and that's how come I try and help out so many new people, especially because of the way th some things have changed so much over the years, even in Final Fantasy XIV. Um, I have a friend um, that uh, I ha hang out with, with one of the streamers I hang out with who was looking up something for her, her character and the information she found was so outdated, I had to like tell her, no, that that's been completely removed from the game now. It doesn't work like mm -hmm. that anymore. And so, unfortunately, that, you know, I think Final Fantasy XIV kind of does lend itself to, especially for someone who may be having issues, having someone who's actually plays the game frequently to be able to approach to answer questions. But if I'm bored, what's the the fix for that well how far did you get i don't know i skip all the story because i found the story that the realm reborn i find the story in realm reborn extraordinarily but boring every, it is it is boring a realm reborn can be very dry can be very boring but everything in it is a setup for every single later expansion to endwalker and some of these things will not make sense at all unless you actually pay attention to that story. And I'm just that gonna, is the. I'm just gonna bow out then. Yeah, and unfortunately, that is part of no, the. No thanks. Issue. It, it, 
the story does get better as you go through, but the, unless you're paying attention to the story, and you're not the only one who's I've heard that from Wheels, actually. I actually have a different uh, acquaintance. I won't call him a friend, but an acquaintance who <laughs> only is interested in Endgame. Not because he's bored of the story, but he just wants Endgame. So he was skipping everything, and he's like, why am I here? Why am I doing this? It's like, well, if you actually read the story, you would know. Hmm. Budai asks, how come Game Pass, which is an alright service, uh, PS Now, which is an alright service, doesn't get the press Game Pass does? What does it need to do to get that? Sony needs to pretend like they give a shit about it. Yeah. Like, they'll add things to it and they won't tell anyone. It's just like, well... Here, the the way that you find out about this is you look at PSN. How much time do I spend browsing PSN? That store's a goddamn nightmare. That's not gonna help. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other like, the other thing is game uh, Game Pass. He's honestly a little bit of a better service. A little bit. It's. <laughs> I mean, like, PlayStation Now is has gotten better in the sense that you can download things that aren't PS3 games. Like, you can download PS4 games for PS Now by everything I've ever heard, but... Oh, uh, one second, I forgot that uh, Pew made the checkmate point on Final Fantasy XIV and that there's a Rathalos mount, so... Oh, God. Yes. Don't do that, Wales. Um, but yeah... And like... that's uh, three expansions in, by the way. Oh, God. So, I would... Wheels, I would recommend... Can I just starting... get... Can I skip um, all the story and then get like a Cliff Notes version of it? All the wiki. Is there can you would miss the cutscenes, but yes, there's I don't actually care. An in game there is I honestly an I don't wait, care. Wait, 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 <laughs> I'm saying yes, there is indeed a Cliff Notes version actually in the game itself. Oh, it is cool. actually in the in rooms and it's called the Unending Journey, where it'll give a synopsis of many of the quests that you do in the game. Sweet. And then if you want to go and look at the, watch the cutscenes to have better understanding, you can. Yeah. Uh, to, to hit this PS Now question more thoroughly, like, whenever Microsoft gets, like, a game on PS Now, one, Microsoft puts their big games on Game Pass the second that they're out. Like, you can just play the big new Microsoft game yeah. on Game Pass, which is she all quite a key quite. to why that a key to why that service is considered like is gets so much press is that like oh I I do not have to take a risk on the new Halo because if I just already am paying for Game Pass which is already very cheap and gives me access to a lot of games I can just play it and see how I like it stuff like that does a lot for it. Like, I don't know when Sony games get added to PS now because Sony doesn't make a big deal out of it, seemingly, but, like, I would imagine it's probably at least a year later. That's that's a big deal. Like, people like archive, like services that just have, like, archives of old stuff, certainly. But the thing they like way better is the idea of, like, all the new stuff I want is just in this service that I already have. So, yeah, that's that's what, like, Sony, if they want to uh, compete, want PS Now to compete with Game Pass, which is an open question, they're slightly different kinds of services, they need to be aggressive like that. They need to be aggressive and very splashy when they choose to be aggressive. Like, they can't just expect people to figure it out from their PSN ads because, again, people don't pay attention to those ads because that store is a nightmare. 
if you want people to uh, give, if they want to get that kind of press, they have to like say God of War Ragnarok day and date on PS Now. Like you can just play it if you have that subscription. They need to emphasize the fact that oh, and if it's not a game that needs to be emulated, you can just download it. Like say oh, I can just download God of War Ragnarok the day that comes out. Like. Yeah, that, that would get it the kind of attention press, but I don't know if Sony is willing to eat the cost that comes with, well, you're just not going to sell anywhere near as many box copies of God of War, Rick, if you do that. So yeah, that that would be what I would have to say about what, is, what needs um, doing. If you're looking at if the... If, was that kind of what you were wanting their wheels? What? Oh, I shared some pictures. Uh, Amy, why am I asking? What? Never mind. Ignore me. Scroll. Where did you share these? On the FF14 thread. Oh, You're gonna make me go in this accursed thread. <laughs> what am I looking at? This is this is that thing I told you about. The oh, console. okay. Does, does that kind of is that kind of what you were looking at? No, before? no, that's too many videos. I want like a. I have two images. I want like a twenty to thirty minute video that gives me a synopsis of the story of a realm reborn. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Okay, then I am going to uninstall. <laughs> <laughs> you said cliff notes. You can read the cliff notes in the game. Boom. Yeah. <sighs> Because it's actually reading. Wait, why am I? This... Wait, you play Fortnite. That's too much to ask. Oh my god. I, I also <laughs> play Disgaea. And lots, lots... My favorite Dragon Quest is Dragon Quest 7. I can read, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm giving you shit for playing you are. Fortnite. I know you are. Uh, well, I think that's about it for us tonight. Because otherwise, uh, one or the like wheels might actually get violent. Um, yeah, no, but for real, I am go I am gonna give Final Fantasy fourteen a fair shake at some point. It's just been and, like, and, and I will and and I will admit with you one hundred percent, ARR can be a slog. They have reduced it by thirty percent. That's good. I don't think it's enough. I. Um, I gave it the college try. I gave it 10 hours of my life. I didn't care. <laughs> and that's that's fine sometimes. Sometimes it's like, okay, this isn't for me. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. If a game is not for someone... Yeah, I mean, no, that's fine. My... That's fine. Yeah. MMOs have I mean, never really been my cup of tea to begin with, so... It's got to be a cataclysm. Oh, wait, you left well for that. <laughs> uh... I mean, honestly all I ever wanted out of a Final Fantasy MMO was just to be able just something a lot simpler than this to be honest. Just let me make my favorite Final Fantasy class and or give me like an MMO with like Final Fantasy V's job system or something cool like that. This kind of mm -hmm. has Final Fantasy V job system. No. There's no freelancer. No. It don't. No, it does not. <laughs> Tam. Tam. <laughs> I mean, it has how many classes now? It has jobs, but it's it seems like it's more like an MF3 job system. I don't yeah. think you carry abilities between them. Oh, it used to. They actually removed that. 
Probably because it was a balancing nightmare, I'd imagine. Yeah, it was It was a whole balancing nightmare. One, one of the biggest one was uh, White Mage just casting Blizzard 2. Yeah, but it sounds like it would also just create, like... Because when you do that in an MMO, you end up with these situations where it's like, well, the player wants to play, like, a healer class, but to do that well, they also need to have taken, like, X number of levels in a class they didn't want to play. <laughs> yeah, that actually was the issue. Um, in fact, early... ARR and even into Heavensward to unlock your jobs, you had to level two different class, like two different classes to fifteen, and you had to keep leveling them like together, so you could do the stuff with both classes. And then you, there was like a third class that would allow you to get some other stat bonuses too. So it was it was a mess. It was an absolute mess. And they yeah that. they needed that like end of Heavensward or at the beginning of Stormblood because it was just a huge, huge mess. Yeah, that's one of those things where it's like it's also a reminder of those systems work well. You make the complicated job free when you've got like an FF5 or an FF Tactics where you have like a bazillion characters that are all advancing at once. When it's one character who is very slowly advancing, it's like uh, relatively. I know FF14 is not nearly as grindy as a lot of MMOs have been in the past, mm -hmm. but you know. When it's one character who's advancing relatively slowly, it's like you you can't do these complicated like job trees because it's just a pain in the ass. Uh, Pew um, says I should just pay twenty five dollars to skip the story, and I think he makes a compelling case. Here's another option: send me twenty five dollars, and you'll have exactly as much fun. <laughs> um, let's see. I mean, yeah, pay him twenty five dollars. He's your brand manager. True. <laughs> In any case, uh, let's hit a couple more of these like uh, corollary questions from Budai in the chat before we close out. I was going to say, we need to note that I actually need to leave to get girls from nursery school in about 12 minutes. Okay, so we'll hit these and then we'll be done. Uh, yeah. Would Microsoft be satisfied if its whole brand became the Netflix of game? Yeah, kind of, because that would mean that yeah. uh, they yeah. were like a one-stop shop that everyone work, like worked with. Like They wouldn't of course, Netflix is not the monolith that it once was, but at the same time, it would be like, we are the synonymous brand with, that's just where things have to show up. Like, you know, Disney Plus of gaming, Netflix of gaming, whatever term you want to use, that's what they want to be. Yeah, uh, uh, that's basically what they, that is indeed what they want. I think, like, Netflix's biggest issue now is there are no more new people that can get on the service. <laughs> Yeah, like, it, there's no more new people that can get on the service, and there's no more catalogs of IP that they can, like, get hold of. It's like, all the companies that they used to license movies from now have their own streaming service. But, like, that's a, that's a neither here nor there thing. Yeah. And that's one of the things Microsoft's trying to avoid by by buying these things. Is that it's like, well, if we own them, then no one can take them away. Uh but yeah, uh, Windows included, of course, on the gaming front. Yeah, like Microsoft does not care if you buy an Xbox. They would like you to buy an Xbox. That'd be great. That's uh, that's even more you're in their ecosystem. But if you if you choose to like play Game Pass on something else, sure, whatever. You're still playing. You're still buying Microsoft stuff. Yeah. You are still like using their services. You are still locked in their ecosystem. You still have to essentially pay them continuously because it's like well if i don't then all these games i've invested in are gone i have to play them. i have to pay for this 
it's like you know and you know if that's if that's what you want sure i mean like if you just want to play these games for in perpetuity for however long they're on service sure whatever why not but you know it is one of those things where it's like they they it's it's the same thing with like the ps plus collection like monthly games it's like well the way that they keep you so it's a key you know it lures you into subscribing to something because it's like well look at all these games that i could play and then it's like well i can't unsubscribe because then i can't play those games anymore <laughs> like that's a like reliable money is more is more compelling to companies than a like a stop and go like that's why you'll see companies pursue these like games as a service thing where it's like you know, it used to be subscription fees, but it's like a reliable set of customers who keep paying and keep paying and keep paying. And you can you can plan around a reliable set of co customers like that. You can't plan around like, well, if this game gets delayed, our like quarterly financials are fucked. That's why you hear the term SaaS endlessly if you oh, work in the God. software industry. God. Software oh, as a service. So I'm so sick of that acronym. Man, you have no idea how much I have heard that acronym and all the other annoying acronyms. You'll never guess how many times I've seen it in Java applications. <laughs> Need experience with managing software oh. as a service. Have you had to work with big data? Uh, how do you feel about... Uh, how, how, what's, your, what's your experience on uh, working with managing cloud software? Ugh. But, yeah... Um, but yeah, that, that, that's the thing. Like Microsoft would one hundred percent love to be the Netflix or Disney Plus game. Like that's what they want. Yeah. Uh, in any case, Gaijin. Yep. Tell me about princesses and what their favorite kind of pizza is. Ah, uh, most of them they go for pepperoni. You know. Yeah, that that tends to be. Yeah, I mean, like that accounts for like what fifty five percent of all pizzas in America, I think. Yeah, probably. So that's the like. It's yeah. probably. I feel like, especially among adults, it's probably no one's favorite. But it's the one part that no one can disagree. It can say like, "Oh, I absolutely want to eat that." <laughs> True, very much. I, I, it's, it's I don't like pepperoni pizza. <gasps> yeah, you are the but that's relatively here. rare. Most people. Okay. Can My dad doesn't either. He says it smells like gym socks. Um, I'm very not, hmm. The my issues with it are not for conversation on a stream. Oh. I super don't want to know. Okay, but princesses. Oh, uh, we're gastrointestinal issues. Okay. I was trying to make not say anything about that guy. Thank you. I, I'm, I'm using the nice, big, fancy scientific word instead of actually going into any details. But yeah. Sa the same reasons I avoid sucralose, probably. Okay, so yes. Yes, probably. So yes, so princesses of the pizza parlor for Kindle and Kindle Unlimited. The sale finished up just over two over a week ago and netted me exactly six dollars. So, um, I would appreciate it if more people checked it out, please. Uh, yeah, I mean it's not exactly expensive now. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. When when I get my tax return, I will let you know that it is on my sh very short list of things to get. Good, because I'm currently in the middle of writing up episode eleven. Um, and and oh, almost got the cover for episode ten. Working on that. Good, good. Yeah. So but those are still available on Amazon. Uh, so on Amazon under um, "Princesses of the Pizza Parlor" by Michael Yadimizu, Y A R I M I Z U. And um, so yes, if you enjoy tabletop gaming, if you enjoy living vicariously through other people's bad dice rolls and personal decisions, um, 
And if you just want to support your local gaijin, please go ahead. Okay. Okay. Mm. Tam, got anything to plug? No. Recent streams, new streams. Um, I, uh, I'm ho uh, I, uh, my schedule has been very odd, so I have not been mm. streaming. But you can catch all uh, many of us here at, um, uh, that are staff of RP Gamer doing streams uh, seven days a week, uh, including uh, Wheels, not just right now for his Q&A quest, but also on Sundays for some shenanigans. Shenanigans? Uh, Sunday shenanigans. Mm -hmm. By the way, I'm sorry I missed shenanigans on Sunday. I like I booted you guys up, went to lurk, and I fell asleep for the next six, seven hours. We make a good, we make a, a good depressant. No, no, I actually only had like maybe six hours sleep the entire weekend when you guys started. Yeah, no, I'm sure, I'm sure. No worries. You missed uh, some really weird games. As it turns really out, I no longer have effects. any classes on Monday, so I might be joining you at some point for those. Oh sweet! Yay. Oh, sweet. that'd be fun. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, literally, um, every um, the entire senior year of the high school is finished now. So, um, partly because there's almost no time between the end of the school year and the start of the college school year, so they're doing the preps now. That makes sense. So, but yeah, all of my Monday classes were high school seniors. Mm. In oh, fact, love to my have morning classes today were high school seniors, which is why I no longer have those classes, which I, was why I had... Four hours free to watch a two-hour movie. <laughs> well, we'd be glad to have you. Yeah. So I'll be by sometime, I'm sure. Sweet. <laughs> but as it is, I need to get going and pick up some little girls from nursery school. See you, guys. Wheels needs to pass out on a bed somewhere. I mean, you say that, Almost. but I'm going to be playing at least one game of Fortnite after this. <laughs> You say that, but it Wheels is, is the author of hundreds of fantasy. You are, Wheels. It's what? When do you sleep? 2.40 a.m. I mean, I don't have a commute anymore. <laughs> That's still you have unreasonable. You in the house. Uh, then, yeah. How do you sleep? Wheels is the author of many bad decisions. That's also, true. Wheels doesn't sleep. Um, I think I get more sleep than Wheels. It's probably true. In any case, uh, Wheels' plug actually just got stolen. But... No, I have another plug. Oh. Uh, I have started posting gaming clips on the new social media site Hover, which huh. is it's like TikTok except for gaming clips. It's hover.gg slash askwheels. That's what those were. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mostly sharing like hilarious fail clips. Uh, I got a bunch of views for a Fortnite one where I accidentally failed to build and fell to my death. So, Oh, that's what that was. I saw that on Twitter. Yes, yes. Uh, so if you follow me on there, you can get lots of hilarious fails and maybe some decent victories, but mostly fails. And uh, I, th I think I put a Smash clip up there too, so there'll, there'll probably be some clips up there from Sunday Night Fighting as well. Uh, and that's it. <sighs> and I still have Patreon that I have not been updating in part because I have a bunch of stuff written up but have been very, very busy the past few days. Kind of what loose ends. But it's in the, I've got like five or six essays that are in the process of ready to be narrated. 
updated. So hopefully that will start regularly updating sometime next week or so. Uh, otherwise, that's it. Uh, Patreon.com slash Game Culture Study. There's still a bunch of stuff on there currently. And, you know, it's all free to read. Uh, if you throw me some bucks, I will not complain. Uh, otherwise, it looks like we're just about done. So uh, if you are interested in asking questions, once again, thank you to those who asked questions today. That would be Budai and... Uh, 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 Fireminer, thank you to both of them for providing us so many uh, questions to... Uh, promptly ignore and talk about something else. <laughs> um, but no, we, we genuinely very much appreciate it. You can ask us questions the same way as they did via the If You Catch the Twitch stream, which tends to happen at about midnight on Wednesday Eastern Time, 9 p.m. Pacific. Uh, you can also, you can watch Wheels play a game and listen to us chat and maybe throw us questions in the chat. Uh, you can also ask questions via the Discord. We didn't get any Discord questions, but the Discord's a lovely place that you should join because it's got a lot of nice people in it. It's uh, findable by going to RP Gamer and going to the Community tab. And, of course, you can ask us questions in the comments section of, the, uh, of RP Gamer. That's always an excellent way to get a hold of us. We usually check the last three or so episodes, so we'll just post a comment on a recent episode, and we'll be sure to answer any questions you have there. Uh, many thanks to all who have listened, and otherwise, see ya, Space Cowboys. See ya. Ah, boy. Bye, Gaijin. Bye. I am out of here. See ya. See ya. Watch wheels fall Bye, asleep. Pew. <laughs> <laughs>